Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Almighty God that we worship, amen. Stand with me this morning, so good to see you. I uh, want to introduce myself, my name is Mike. I've been gone for three weeks from the pulpit, but uh, uh, Karen and I went on vacation, went to Boston, up New England, and then last week I was preaching in Arkansas. First time in 38 years I've been gone three Sundays in a row. So uh, thank you for letting me take a little bit of break. Uh, A couple of things I want to share with you. Number one, I'm glad that you're here. Number two is that uh, Tuesday we vote. And let me say this, vote your conviction, vote um, your ethics, vote the Word of God, vote life, vote uh, character, and other than that, I'm not going to tell you how to vote. (laughs) But please do go vote, because uh, we, we need to keep going the right direction, and sometimes we get off course in America, right? Uh, If you have your Bible, while you're standing, I want to read to you uh, out of the Old Testament. We're talking about the elevated life. Uh, So about three or four days I've struggled. Okay, what do I I come and share today? But I really feel like the Lord has spoken to us this morning. So this is Exodus chapter 19, verse 1, 2, and 3. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim and had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain, and Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. But look at verse number three. And Moses went up to God. Would you say that with me right now? And Moses went up to God. Listen, God is trying to elevate our life. He's trying to lift you up to a higher place, a higher plane, uh, new possibilities, and it takes God to get us to our capability. How many of you believe that? Because I do. How many of you are going to help me preach today? Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together, our fellowship. Lord, we're here to hear the word of God. Put it in our heart, our life. Let us be obedient to you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. So I brought today an old country and western song by Bobby Bear. And most of you have never heard this song, but I'm going to sanctify it just a little bit in the sermon today. Um, This is called The Winner. The hulk of a man with a beer in his hand, he looked like a drunk old fool. And I knew if I hit him just right, I would knock him off of that stool. But everybody said, watch out, hey, that's Tiger Man McCool. He's had a whole lot of fights, and he's always come out the winner. Yeah, he is the winner. But I had myself about five too many, and I walked up tall and proud. I faced his back, and I faced the fact that this man had never stooped or bowed. I said, Tiger Man, you're a pussycat, and a hush fell over the crowd. I said, let's me and you go outside, and we'll see who's the winner. Well, he gripped the bar with one big hairy hand, then he braced himself against the wall. He slowly stood up, and I said, my God, that man was tall. He said, boy, I see you're a scrapper, so just before you fall, I'm going to tell you just a little bit about what it means to be a winner. 
He said, now you see these bright white smiling teeth, you know they ain't my own. Mine rolled away like chiclets down the street in San Antonio. But I left that person cursing and nursing seven broken bones, and he only gave me three of mine, so that makes me the winner. He said, now behind this grin, I got a steel plate that holds my jaw in place, a trophy of my most successful motorcycle race. And each morning when I wake and touch this scar across my face, it reminds me of all I got by just being a winner. Now this broken back was the dying act of handsome Harry Clay. That sticky Cincinnati night, I stole his wife away. But that woman gets uglier and she gets meaner every day. But I got her, boy. And that makes me the winner. He said, you got to speak loud when you challenge me, son, because it's hard for me to hear. With this twisted neck and these migraine pains and this big old cauliflower ear, for if it wasn't for this glass eye of mine, why, I'd shed a happy tear to think that all you're going to get by just being the winner. I got arthritic elbows, uh, elbows, boy. I got dislocated knees from picking fights with thunderstorms and charging into trees. My nose been broke so many times I might lose it if I sneeze. And son, you say you still want to be the winner. Now you remind me a lot of my younger days with your knuckles all clenched and white. But boy, I'm going to sit right here and sip this drink all night. And if there's something that you got to gain to prove by winning some silly fight, well, okay, I quit. I lose. Now you're the winner. That's a different perspective on winning, isn't it? Let me tell you, the world has a whole different idea of what it means to be a winner. But let me tell you something. God has a different idea, too. So if you'll go back with me to uh, Exodus 19, I want to read 5 and 6 to you. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Now here's a group of people that's been in servitude and bondage for over 400 years. All they know is slavery. They haven't been treated right. Matter of fact, they have been treated horrible. And they were afflicted by the Egyptians. They had to work, the Bible says, with rigor. Now, I don't use that word much, but that's a biblical word. It's the Hebrew word perek, which means harshness, severity, cruelty. The Egyptians were killing their babies. So we can only imagine what it was like living under those conditions. You and I don't have a clue. I remember one time the boys were small, and I used to make them work. They had chores, and we'd go out and build fence, feed cows, and do different things, and one day, it was uh, in the morning, and the boys were sitting on the couch watching television. I said, boys, time to go work. Aaron said, Dad, you treat us like slaves. I said, son, you don't even have a clue what you just said. But there were slaves, and the Egyptians, the Bible said, were hard taskmasters on these people. And let me tell you, these people had a sense of hopelessness. 
I mean, there was no better tomorrow, no better year. I mean, not only for them, but generation after generation after generation, it was the same thing over and over and over. It was slavery, no bright future, no better day, no advancement, no living up to your potential, and that's what they endured for over 400 years. Now God comes along and he says this, you're my special treasure. You are a kingdom of priests. You are a holy nation. And I think they probably looked around because if you go back with what we started with, the Bible says this happened right after they got out of Egypt. I think they probably looked at each other and says, is he talking to us? I mean, are we that special people? Are we the kingdom of priests? Are we the treasure that God said that we are? Because let me tell you, if you've lived in that for a long time, it's hard for you to see that. But here God is, by his grace, by his love, by his mercy, he's reaching out to these people and saying, this is what you were, but I'm going to elevate your life. You're not going to be this anymore. You're going to be a different people. And the Lord wants to move them to a higher place, a higher position, a different rank. He wants them to fulfill what they're capable of and what he created for them to be. And guess what? God created you to be some things, and you have potential in your life. You can rise up, you can raise up. But notice verse 3 there of Exodus chapter 19. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him. So God is calling Moses to a higher place. He's calling the whole nation to a higher place. And sometimes we're blinded to our own potential. I mean, we're myopic. We have this nearsighted view of ourselves, and we're, we're asking, you know, can I do this? Can I be that? Can I achieve this? Do I have potential? And those are all tough questions, aren't they? They're really probing questions. And sometimes we talk ourselves out of our own potential, but here God is. He's saying, I'm going to elevate your life. He wants to elevate our lives, and he wants to raise us up to whole new levels. How many of you believe that this morning? Now you say, well, listen, pastor, I've come a long way. Well, guess what? There's a long way to go. And if you're here today and say, well, I don't know if I could ever be more than I am today. Well, listen, this is for you today. God has the ability to take you places you have never, ever been before. So how does that happen? What's the process? What's the secret sauce here? Well, I'm going to give you four things today. If you have a pencil and paper, jot them down. These are four keys that we find right here in the Bible to get yourself, to get myself to a new level that God can elevate me to higher heights, deeper things, release the potential he put in me. How many of you know God knows the potential he put in you? You were created with purpose. God had a design for your life. And maybe you and I aren't quite there, but guess what? The Bible tells us how to get there. Here's number one. I have to believe what God says and believe his word. So say that with me. We have to believe what God says and believe his word. So God does say some things here. Go back with me to Exodus 19. If you will indeed obey my voice, keep my covenant, you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people. For all the earth is mine, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Did you catch it? Did you get it? He said, okay, obey my voice. He said, these are the words I'm going to speak to you. So if I hear his voice, if I obey his voice, if I hear his words and act on those words, I'm exercising faith in my life. 
I'm exercising faith in my life. I've said this over and over. Faith is one of the currencies of the kingdom. I know there's love and grace and mercy, but I want to tell you, if you're going to please God, you've got to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So here we have to believe what God said. Now, Romans 10, uh, 17, something you're familiar with. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 4, 2. For indeed the gospel is preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. It's not enough just to hear it. How many of you know you've got to believe it? You've got to obey it. You gotta walk in it. So as I believe it, as I obey it, as I walk in it, then supernatural things begin to happen in my life. Let me tell you something. Then it's not only just you, is it? Some of you today, you're trying to do it all by yourself. I'm gonna be good enough, I'm gonna work hard enough, I'm gonna be a good parent, good dad, good mom, those are all good things. But how many of you know, we need help. Look at your neighbor. Don't they look like they need help? Just, I mean, just look at him. Just look at him and say, you know what? I think you need some help. Here's the good news. We have a helper. And if we believe the word of God and obey his voice, obey his word, walk in it, then the Bible says we're walking in faith. We can mix that, and faith causes us to stretch and to reach higher levels. Faith enables us to become what we're capable of. Faith pulls us to our potential. So if I believe and I walk in that obedience, then I'm going to really begin to see a new level in my life. So here's the question, am I going to believe what God said? Am I going to believe that I am a special treasure? Am I going to believe that I'm a priest to Almighty God? Am I going to believe I'm part of a holy nation? Now, that's what God said. You can either receive it or not receive it, but that's what he said. That's what he said. And he said that about you and me. And let me just top this off. You have a better covenant than they got. You have a better covenant than they had. And here we are. We're going to say, I believe what he said. Now, here's number two. I need to come into agreement with God. Say that with me. I need to come into agreement with God. Listen, I need to believe not only that he said it, but I agree with what he said. So, if God believes in me and I believe in him, then I need to believe that he said what he said, so now I believe in me also. Yeah. Now, it's not what others say about me that matters. How many know it's what God says about me and what I say about me? But if you've lived here very long, if you've been on this old earthly sod, there's going to be enough people that are going to say some stuff about you. Right. And it's not just they say it, now they post it. Now they tweet it. And if you believe everything you see posted and tweeted, God needs to help you. I mean, I saw a tweet the other day that said, we got the greatest social security increase that we've had in years. And that's true, but it wasn't for the reason they said. It was because there's an algorithm put in the process of social security that was enacted by Richard Nixon that did it, not the White House. Okay, preacher, you better get back to the message. But this is what I'm saying. 
You can't believe everything people say about you, about me. Folks, I've been preaching a long time. And some of you will remember this. When we first started, uh, we were kind of a target. We were up and coming church, and not everybody likes that. Nobody likes success if it's not you. And uh, so I remember one Sunday, someone said, well, you know, Pastor, they said that we were preaching about you can't wear red. And that day I had a red tie on. I thought, you know, some of the craziest stuff people come up with. And so I have to believe what he said. I have to believe in that he said it about me. So therefore I have to believe in myself. I can't go by what everybody else is saying. The Bible says there's many voices in the world. There's many sounds in the world. And I've got to weed out. I've got to filter out all those different sounds that are going out through all the world. And I've got to get on the right voice, the right frequency, right? I've got to get myself right even if I even said this about me. Have you ever had some self-talk that wasn't good that you talked about yourself? I have. I mean, I've said some things about me. Well, you know, you're just dumb. You're just, you know, you can't do anything. Listen. I need to renew my mind in faith. I need to realize I'm a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So I have to agree with what he said about me. Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, our confidence is in God's sufficiency. Our confidence is in God's sufficiency. So you and I should have confidence in our life. Now I want to take you to a passage, again, you're very familiar with, Judges chapter 6, Beginning at verse 11, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which is in Ophrah. There's Ophrah right there in your Bible. Which belonged to Joash the Asbarite, which while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. How many of you know that Gideon has a little false narrative there? Okay, God didn't abandon them. They abandoned God. Because if you go back and you read this chapter, you know who they're worshiping? They're worshiping Baal. They're not worshiping Almighty God. You see, let me tell you something about you. God never abandons you. We abandon God. We get on a trajectory that, that takes us away from the will of God. And, and, and it can be our life. It could be our recreation. It, it could be um, you know, the way we talk. It could be many things. But we have to realize that God's not the one who's moving. How many of you know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? And these people literally forsook God, and when they forsook God, the Midianites came in and just took over the whole nation. Now they're in bondage, they're in servitude, they're hungry, they don't have enough to eat. That's why this guy is threshing grain, hiding, because if the Midianites saw it, they would take away his food. Now, I want you to watch here. This is God's assessment about Gideon. You mighty man of valor. Did you catch it? Look there, it's in verse 13, he, he, 12. He said, you are a mighty man of valor. And then Gideon begins to say in verse 13, but look what has happened to us. Now, 
That's God's assessment. Now let me give you Gideon's assessment about himself. Verse 15, how can I save Israel? My family, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my father's house. I am a nobody. Has anybody seen a separation there? Okay, this is what God is saying about Gideon, and this is what Gideon's saying about Gideon. All right, let me repeat that. This is what God is saying about Gideon. This is what Gideon is saying about Gideon. So what do I have to do? Somewhere I got to bridge the gulf, and I have to agree with God. You say, well, pastor, I don't see it. Honey, listen, that's what faith is. It's the substance of things not seen, the evidence of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for. So we don't always see everything at the beginning. So I have to say, okay, I, I don't feel that. I don't see it right now, but this is the word of God. So I've got to quit saying this is my assessment and get over here and say, I agree with God's assessment. Okay, now I want you to watch this. This is not an overnight process. This is something that is going to be incremental. Now, I want you to catch it. So the first thing that Gideon does, he tears down the altar of Baal. That's the first thing he does. He doesn't drive the Midianites out first. How many of you know? He tears down the altar of Baal. He begins to make sacrifice to Almighty God. And then in the process of this, He's just like us. God, was that really you that spoke to me? You ever had that happen to you? Y'all are so holy today. Has that ever happened to you? God, was that really you? Was that really you that showed up? Did you really speak to me? Was that verse really for me? Was that sermon really for me? So Gideon, in the process, and this is where we actually get the terminology, he fleeced the Lord. You know how he fleeced the Lord? With a fleece. Isn't that deep? He fleeced the Lord with a fleece. He, he took a fleece off a, you know, a sheep. He, he laid it on the ground. He said, God, if that's really you, if that's really you. He said, when the dew falls in the morning, let that fleece be dry and all around the ground, let it be wet. And guess what? God did exactly what he asked. Isn't that great? And then the next day, Gideon said, God, was that really you? <laughs> Read it. It's in there. God, was that really you? He said, okay, I'm going to put this fleece out one more time. And he said, listen, let, let all the ground be dry and let, let the dew just be on the fleece. Guess what? God did it just as he asked. So he, he tears down the altar of Baal. He fleeces God. And then with 300 men, he drives out the Midianites from the entire country brings liberty, brings freedom. He, he begins to see things happen from hiding from the enemy. He now defeats the enemy in incremental steps. He is coming what God says. There has to be that agreement between what God said and you, right? So we have to be in that vein. So getting is being elevated, step, by step, by step, his confidence is growing, Hebrews 10.35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Not arrogance, not pride, not a 
better than you attitude. Not something that is condescending to people, but confidence. How many of you know confidence is not pride? Confidence is not arrogance. Confidence is not I'm better than you. You're not as good as me. So we have to have confidence. Here's the third thing. Don't let your past hurts and failures keep you from future successes. Oh, boy. Has anybody here had any past failures? Is your heart beating? If you got a pulse, you've had some past failures, hadn't you? If you are breathing a breath today, you've had some disappointing things happen in your life. So we learn along the way and we prepare along the way for greater successes, but I'm going to guarantee you there's going to be some tough times, some failures along the way, and, and that's a process. So we're processing, and we're going to have to be willing to accept the process because there's going to be past hurts and past failures in our life. You know, we live in a culture today that hates process. Listen, we hate process. We think because we had a bat and a ball in the backyard, we're going to be in the World Series next week. We think we went to the park and threw a football around, we're going to be on the Super Bowl team. Guess what? You may be, but there's going to be a lot of time between A and B. There's going to be process. But today, we want it, and we want it now. Right? I mean, we got kids want what their parents, it took them 60 years to get, they want it now. Oh, y'all preach with me this morning. But let me tell you, if we don't go through process, if we don't get wisdom and strength from those things, and I, I wrote this down last night, it's in our trials and failures we obtain the wisdom and strength to sustain our success. It's in our trials and our failures we get the wisdom and strength to sustain our success. Do you realize uh, that 70% of all lottery winners lose the money? And I don't know what happened last night, but there was a over $1 billion lottery last night. And I guess I didn't win. <laughs> didn't have the ticket. You got to buy one, I guess. But if you won, congratulations, tithe. But do you realize that people who win that amount of money, most of them lose it? Why? They don't know how to handle it. If you don't know how to handle your failures, if you don't know how to handle your tough times, you will never know how to handle success. Because that trial, that failure gave you the strength and the wisdom to handle your success. So here we are, we're moving, and we're realizing that there's going to be some stuff happen, but through it, what's God doing? He's elevating our life. He's showing us how to make the next step. How do I go a little bit higher? A good friend of mine sent me this story the other day, and it's um, about a guy, a young boy named Sparky. I never heard this story quite like this, but Sparky... Uh, had the nickname, it was given to him as a boy, and uh, school was not his strong point. And he went to school and he failed every subject in the eighth grade. Didn't pass one of them. He flunked physics in high school, uh, getting a grade of zero. Uh, Sparky flunked uh, 
his uh, foreign language class, algebra, English. He didn't do much better in sports. He did manage to make the school's golf team, but he promptly lost the only important match of the season that he was in. So Sparky's not doing so good. Throughout his youth, Sparky was awkward socially. The other students didn't particularly dislike him. However, no one really cared about him much either. He was astonished if a classmate ever said hello to him outside of the school. There's no way to tell how he might have done it dating because he never once asked a girl out in high school. He was too afraid of being turned down. So Sparky was a loser. He, his classmates, everybody else knew it. So he just rolled with it. However, one thing that Sparky was very good at, and that was drawing. He was proud of his artwork. Of course, no one else appreciated it. In his senior year, of high school, he submitted some cartoons to the editors of their yearbook. Their cartoons were turned down, so despite the rejection, Sparky did not quit. He was so convinced of his ability that he decided to become a professional artist. So after completing high school, Sparky wrote a letter to Walt Disney Studios. He was so told to send some samples of his artwork, and subject for a cartoon was suggested to him, so Sparky drew the suggested proposed cartoon. He spent a great deal of time on it and all the other drawings he submitted, and finally, the reply came from Walt Disney, and it was rejection once again. Another loss for the loser, but he did not quit. So Sparky decided he's going to write his own autobiography in cartoons. He describes his childhood. Uh, he described himself as a little boy loser, chronic underachiever. The cartoon character would soon become famous worldwide. For Sparky, the boy who had such a lack of success in school and work was rejected again and again and again. And Sparky's actual name is Charles Schultz who created the Peanuts cartoon strip. And this little boy who could never fly a kite who could never succeed at kicking a football was Charlie Brown. So he wrote about his life. And guess what? He did okay. So sometimes we think, you know, I'm never going to get this. I'm never going to accomplish this. I'm never going to get over this. But I want to tell you, God has a way, if you just keep believing, keep putting one foot in front of another, God has a way to elevate your life. He has a way to lift you up. He has a way to show you success, and God does that. Someone said there's a fine line between anxiety and excitement because sometimes when you feel like God's going to use you, there's a little anxiety, but it's also exciting, isn't it? So here, here God's speaking to Moses. I'm going to lift you guys up. And now he's speaking to Gideon. A little anxiety, but let me tell you, a little excitement. So, so God lifts lives. Now here's the last thing. God goes out of his way to change people's lives. God goes out of his way to change people. Did you know that? God literally goes out of his way to change people's lives. John 4, Jesus said, I need to go to Samaria. And the disciples said, we don't need to go to Samaria. If you know about biblical culture, good Jews did not travel through Samaria. They were unclean. They were a mongrel breed. They did not worship God like they worshiped God. So Jesus said, no, I need to go to Samaria. So here they go. They're trekking through Samaria. They stop at a little place in Samaria at a well, and there Jesus sits on the well. He sends them into town to buy food, and a woman comes in the middle of the day to the well, and this woman has a lot of problems. 
This woman has been married over and over and over again. Let me tell you, she's been married five times. And she's living with the dude right now. This woman is an outcast from society. Nobody wants to draw water with her. Matter of fact, women would draw water in the morning and the evening for the day. She has to come at noon because nobody wants to draw water with her because she is a social outcast. But Jesus said, I need to go to Samaria. And let me tell you something. She, she is the one he went there for. He went there for one messed up woman. And guess what? He's here today for a whole lot of us that are messed up. And let me tell you, he came by my way, and I was messed up. And guess what? You were messed up. Oh, pastor, I wasn't messed up. You're messed up because you don't think you were messed up. And here Jesus purposely goes to the well for a woman who has literally wrecked up her life, and he so revolutionizes her life. I mean... She doesn't even know why he would even speak to her. Do you remember the conversation? How is it that you being a Jew would speak to me, a Samaritan? How is it that you being a man would speak to me, a woman? And Jesus said, if you knew who I was, hallelujah. If you knew who I was, you would ask me a drink and you would never, ever thirst again. I tell you what, let me tell you what's amazing about this conversation. This is the first time, point blank, that this conversation gets to this point. She said, I know when Messiah comes. And Jesus looked at her and said, honey, let me tell you, the one who's speaking to you is the Messiah. He revealed that not to Peter or John or Paul. The first one he revealed that to is a messed up woman. Because that's what he does. He goes out of his way to find people who need to be elevated. Hallelujah. I'm about to preach myself happy this morning. He goes out of his way. I want to tell you something. If I just give you a little list here, I want you to think about it. From Abram to Abraham. From Sarai to Sarah. From Jacob to Israel. From Simon to Peter. From Saul of Tarsus to the Apostle Paul. You know what he's saying? Okay, this is who you are now, but I'm going to elevate you to something else. Oh, yeah, this is who you've been, but now you're going to be this. Isn't that good news? So he's come to you, he's come to me, and he said, okay, this is who you are now, but I'm going to elevate you to something else. And so you and I, we're here today. The Word of God, this is what he said to Moses. You need to speak my word to these people. They need to hear it. They need to obey it. They need to believe it because this is what I'm fixing to make of them. So let me close with this. The grace of God is searching for you. Almighty God is searching for you. Here's the last verse, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. You know what that verse says? Grace is looking for you. God is looking to do something great in your life. So let me ask you a question. Are you going to agree with him today? Or are you going to say, okay, God, here I am, find me. 
sometimes we don't even know we're lost. You ever heard this? Uh, they're lost as a goose. I don't know how lost goose get. I, I, I don't know. But I'm telling you, God's looking. And don't let the things that can steal your elevation, your lifting, your potential, your life, steal that away from what God has from you. Can I be just very blunt with you? Addiction can steal that away from you. Critical spirits can steal that away from you. Alcohol can steal that away from you. Hanging around the wrong crowd, being around the wrong people can, can steal that potential. You see, this, this, is, this, is the, this is the thing. The enemy knows. He knows. God has put good stuff in us. He knows God has potential in you, so if he can steal that potential, that ability for you to reach that away from you, guess what? He wins a little war right there. He, 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 he gets a little advantage. But I believe I'm with a group of people to say, no, Lord, listen, I believe your word. I believe what you said about me. I'm going to agree with you. I'm not going to let what other people say or do or the things in this world are not going to pull my potential away from me. God, you are going to elevate my life to a greater level than it's ever been before. How many of you believe that today? Stand with me. Amen. Let's not panic cake. Let's give the Lord a big hand this morning. Before we leave, we're going to do this very quickly because I know your belly says it's 108. There's a verse in the Bible about that, whose God is their belly. Okay. Um, how many of you believe with me God wants to take you to another level? How many will agree with me that by us just agreeing with God, believing what God said about us, we could, we could take a step to a whole new level. If you believe that very quickly, and if you're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ, the level he wants to bring you immediately is into salvation. He went to the cross, shed his blood, raised the third day so you and I could be saved. You agree with me, right? God can take us to another level. If you agree with that, very quickly, I want you to come stand right here. Listen, we're not going to embarrass you. Just come stand right here. We're going to pray a dedicatorial prayer. We're going to pray that we're believing. We're going to receive what God has. Just come stand right here. If you're believing, God can take you right where you're at. Whether you've been in the kingdom for a year or five years or ten years or today, you're making the first time commitment to serve God. Oh, isn't this exciting? I'm with a group of people that believe they can grow to a whole nother level that God's going to elevate our lives. So today, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of us right here gathered together, and we're going to pray together that God's Word is true about what He said about me and you. Come on, let's pray together. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, you're our God. You're the mighty God. You're the thrice holy God. And God, from the little children we dedicated today to the oldest person in the room, we believe you're not finished with us, that you're going to raise us up, you're going to use us, you're going to draw out that potential in our lives by faith as we believe you. God, we agree with you. We trust you. We have confidence in you.
And we believe that the eyes of the Lord are going all over the world, searching, seeking lives that you can show yourself strong through. And God, that is our prayer today. So let us leave today encouraged. Let us leave today committed. Let us leave today realizing we're going to grow, we're going to increase, and God, Almighty God, is going to elevate our lives in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. God bless you. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.